I'm going to give my testimony. Some of it I may get emotional. And if I do get emotional, which I don't like to be in front of people, you know, and if I start <coughs> like that, just say amen, all right? It'll get my mind off of things. And the other thing is, is that I brought my Bible verses here just in case I forget because I forgot my name this morning. And it was like, okay. You know, that one. Well, I'm uh, introducing myself. Why don't you turn to Hebrews, Hebrews 11, 6. If you don't have your Bibles or if you want to, it's on your bulletin. But uh, let me introduce myself. My name is Ron Mancuso. I was uh, born in Manchester, New Hampshire, but I grew up on, in Long Island, New York. My parents, my mother was French, and my father was Italian. And I am the oldest son in there. Let me read to you. Is everyone in Hebrew? Say amen. amen. Good. Hebrews 11.6, and it says, here it is. This is one of my life verses. It says, and without faith, it is impossible to please him. Him is God. Okay. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who seek him. I want you to notice this verse, because within this verse it says, if you want to please God, it's not about your works. It's not about what you do. It's a matter of faith. Believing in his son, Jesus Christ. Who what Jesus Christ is, what he did for us. And I'll talk to you about that in a minute. And then after that, I like it in here, because it says, he who comes to God must believe that he is. I don't know about you, but have you ever, you know, spent a day or a week and you forget to pray? You know, you do, and, you, and you try to do everything in your own flesh. Guess what? It doesn't work. And so you have to believe that God is and that he is listening and, he's, and he is intimately uh, aware of you and wants to have a relationship with you. And then lastly, he is a rewarder of those who seek him. You know what's nice about that verse, that part of the verse? He rewards. Not only do, I, do you seek Jesus Christ for your salvation, but you seek him every day, okay, for your everyday life, your decisions, what troubles you. So it's not a one-time deal. I don't, okay, okay, I got saved, you know, X years ago, and that's it. No, you seek him every day, and sometimes every hour. Don't you? Okay, let me tell you. As the oldest son of a French and Italian family, I had my options of what I wanted to be when I grow up, okay, to keep on family tradition. And now I'm going to talk to you as I would back then, uh, and I'll keep it clean. I like that one. But option number one, I could become a cop, okay? That's my option number one, okay? Option number two, if I wanted to, I could go into the family business. Now, with the name of Mancuso, if you don't know what the family business is that my family was involved with, you can see me later, okay? You can talk to Ray. Ray may know. Joe may know, you know, what I'm talking about with the family business. And then option number three was that I could become a priest. And so I decided that I wanted to become a priest. And as such, I went to St. Pius X, Seminary, it's in Hempstead, Long Island, and I started to study there, okay? And I was doing good. Year one rolls around, year two. But all of a sudden, I started having some problems. Here's the problems that I had. Problem number one, 
If I wanted to pray, I was told that I had to pray through somebody else. All right? And here it is. Because, you know, I'm, I'm a simple person. It's like, hey, if I have to pray, why don't I just pray to God? Well, you don't pray to God. Because God the Father is like a stern father. I'm telling you, this is quotes, okay? I'm not telling you like that. Stern father. And what you want to do, you want to come through his mother. Because if you come through his mother, he'll listen to her. And that, that just didn't make any sense. Because, you know, I don't know about you guys, but when I pray, I like to get immediate results. I'm not into, you know, waiting. So that was problem number one. Problem number two, we had a study, and then the study was, it was about the early church. It was about the book of Acts. It wasn't the Bible, because you see, the thing is, I hadn't been trained enough to really understand the Bible. And so I read, and we studied about the first church. And you know, the thing is, I came and I talked to the uh, priests and afterwards, and I said, you know, why don't we become just like that? Because it seems like they were a lot simpler, and... I mean, they used to pray, they used to study God's word, they would evangelize. Well, why don't we just do that instead? No, you don't want to, you know, we can't do that. Okay, ritualism. Here's the biggest problem that I had. My biggest problem was, and I can remember, okay, I am sitting in the back of the classroom, okay, and we start talking, and the priest's name, now this is many years ago, his name is Father Kiera. Father Kiera starts talking about sin. And he says, sin is anything you do. Well, I got that. I mean, I knew that since I was, yay, high. Sin is anything you think. If you think something and it's wrong, that's sin. Did you know that sin is also things that you don't do? And you know the thing is? I was sitting back then and I said, I'm in trouble. You know? I mean, I am in deep, serious trouble. Because if that's the case, and, we, and you know the Good News Club? New, we define sin as, right? Here it goes. <laughs> I can see like, sin is anything you think, say, or do that does not please God. And I asked the uh, priest, and I said, after class, and I said, hey, if that's the case, you know, I don't have a chance to get to heaven. What's, you know, how do you, how do you work this? And he says, and I said, well, you know, what's the answer? And he told me, and he said, you know what? There is no answer that you can. You live your life, and after you die, you take a final exam. And I said, like that. And your final exam is you stand before God, and if you're good, always you're bad, you make it. Well, you know the thing is with that? I said, that wasn't going to happen. And he said, or you, if you, when you, in, on your deathbed, if you have a priest, a priest can give you the last rites, extreme unction. <laughs> and I looked at him and I said, you know, I am not that lucky. I mean, there's no such thing as luck in a Christian life, right? Everything is God's plan. But, you know, back then I didn't know that. And I said, I am not that lucky. I not, I'm going to die in the middle of a desert somewhere or, you know, in a mountain. <laughs> you know, Whoa. They didn't have any of the answer. At that time, I started listening to, I don't know if some of you old-timers, have you ever heard of Dr. DeHaan? Anybody here ever heard of Dr. DeHaan? Raise your hand. Remember the old gravelly voice? Well, because I, I used to live in Farmingdale, 
Long Island. I traveled to Hempstead, and that was like a 30, 40-minute ride. They invented something that was brand new. You know what it was? Okay, it was a transistor radio. It was like, wow. <laughs> you young guys don't know what a transistor, you know, you have the iPods, but a transistor radio was something that was, well, it was good. It was yay, yay big. And so I was on a bus, and I used to listen to him. He had different answers. And I would listen to him back and forth. Finally, I decided I can't become a priest. <laughs> Remember I told you that uh, I'm French and Italian, and I have my three options? Well, in order to get out of the seminary, I had to come up with a way. So what I did, I thought through, and I said, I'm going to fail Latin, because everything was in Latin back then. So I never took, I never opened a book on Latin. All the tests I did, I failed Latin. And at the end of that year, they called me in, and they said, you know, uh, we're not going to be able to have you next year because, you know, you, you, you don't do well in Latin. And that's what we do everything in, is Latin. And I said, I went home, okay, told my parents that, you know, I can't because I fail Latin. By the way, they never knew I did that on purpose. You know, they, yeah, they thought I did. When I went back to school, I took three more years of Latin just to prove to myself that I could do it. And I, right up into Latin poetry. You know what's fun? I don't understand English poetry. Okay? You want to try Latin poetry? Wow. Look at that. I'm out, and I say to myself, I'm going to become a Protestant. You know, there's only one problem with that. There are more Protestant denominations than there are flavors in ice cream. Yeah, I was like, eh. and so I started asking around to my Protestant friends. Well, what are you? Well, I'm an Episcopalian. Okay, what's an Episcopalian do? Well, we have everything like mass, but we have more ritualism. Wow, no kidding. What do you do? Lutheran. No kidding. So what's that? What is that? But everyone told me the same thing. They said, you, can, you know, any church is good, any Protestant church, but you don't want to go to a Baptist church. Okay? Because in a Baptist church, all they do is study the Bible. No kidding. All right? And it just so happened, luck has it, <laughs> you know, remember I told you about luck, that they started a new Baptist church around a mile from my house. So I said, that's what I'm going to be. I think I'm going to go to the Baptist church. Hey, you know what? In order to become and go to my Baptist church, okay, in the more Sunday mornings, I had to go to Mass. Sunday nights, I went to the Baptist church. But I'm not, I can't tell my parents that. If I tell my parents that, <laughs> you know, I could become a part of a foundation in some bridge in New York. <laughs> you know, like that. So what I did is that I threw my clean pair of jeans, because I only had two, clean pair of jeans and shoes outside my bedroom window. And around, I forget the time, I think it was like 4 or 5 o'clock in the afternoon, I would go and you know, tell my parents, I'm going for a walk. And in the bushes, I would change my clothes. 
And that's where, and that's what I did. You know, that's fine in, you know, June, July, August. You tried doing that in January. It's like, you change, you learn to do it fast. And I started going in. Now the thing is, I started hearing the word. And they started talking. And it was all seeds. And after that, the other thing is that I start, I joined the youth group. Okay, and so I was doing with the youth group, and I was, everything was going just fine. I was learning, and everything was good, except one day is that my father found out, I don't know how he did, where I was going. And you want to talk about an interesting evening. And because of that, and because of the pressure of my mother, I had to stop going. And I stopped going to church at that point in time, still young. Still knowing that, now I'm not saved, by the way, not this. I know what the, you know, what, how to be saved, but I'm still not at this point. I grow up, I go to Vietnam, and I come back from Vietnam, and I move to Manchester, New Hampshire. And in Manchester, New Hampshire, I'm sitting in a bar, okay? It's the Alpine Club. It's a French bar. And I'm sitting and I'm drinking. And you know the thing is? I am not having any fun at all. I'm doing this. And this is for the youth. Any of you guys into youth ministry here? Raise your hand. Okay, if you are. Here's the thing about youth ministry. I am sitting at the bar, and I'm remembering, and I'm saying, you know, I used to have an awful lot more fun in the youth group. I'm a little bit older now. When I was going to church, that's what drew me back to going to church, was, that youth, was the youth ministry. And so I went back to church. I was too old to be in the youth ministry then, but I remembered what it was. You guys that are into youth ministry, keep it up, because you know the people that you think are not listening are listening. You know that? That's what it is. And so now I'm hearing the word. I have a real problem. Here's the real problem. I was told in the church that if I leave the church and like that, that I have a certainty I'm going to go to hell. I have, my real problem was, and this is in the back of my mind, right? The other thing is because I left, you know, the priesthood of becoming a priest, that if I ever got married, it would fail. If I ever had children, they would either die or be, you know, have uh, problems. And all of these negative things. And so I have to make a decision, just like each and every one of us has to make a decision. How do you know, how do you get to heaven? Because I have some religions saying, you have to be a this if you want to get to heaven. No, you have to be a that if you want to get to heaven. No, 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 no. You have to be a this. And so what I wound up doing, and I said, you know, I am just going to read the Bible. I'm going to start in Matthew, and I'm going to read what God's Word, because I always accepted the Bible as God's Word, and I'm going to read what God's Word says about how to get to heaven. Because do I have to work it? Is that something like I'm going to have to take a final exam or what? And I came upon this passage. Hey, if you got your Bibles... I'm going to do it like that. It's Ephesians chapter 2. You probably know what I'm going to say, but I'm going to extend it. Ephesians chapter 2. 
I'll give, you, I'll give everybody a minute or so. Ephesians 2, and I'm going to start reading verses 8 through 10. Now, here it is. This is what I found out. Do you know that nowhere in the Bible does it say that you have to work to get to heaven? You know that? No. I didn't find one. But here's what I found. Okay? It is, says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the, what is it? What is it? It's the gift of God, not the results of works, so that no one should boast. Hold your finger. Hold, keep your finger there. Because here it is. It says it's a gift of God. All right? And here's how you do that one. I need... Brother, can you come up? Did you know that you're going to be part of the sermon? <laughs> no, I guess not, huh? Here it is. It's a gift. This is what God does. If I'm saying... This is my pen, and I'm going to give it to you, and you can keep this one as a gift. What do you got to do? You got to take it. Thanks. You can, you did, did he do good? He did good. Didn't he do good? Yeah. It's a gift. The thing is, God hands it out to us. We take it. Now, did you notice what he didn't do? He didn't reach in his wallet. He didn't say, well, here, at least let me give you a dollar for that thing. He didn't do any of that. He said he took it. And that's what all the Bible says. The Bible says God says, hey, you want to be part of my family? You can be part of my I will adopt you into my family. All you have to do is accept my son. Here's else what it says. Verse 10. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for what? I do, we do good works. You know why we do good works? Because of what the love of Jesus Christ did for us. Not because I'm trying to win points but because I really want to. Okay? For Christ Jesus, good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Wow. And that's what salvation is. It's a gift. And I received it. it was, I, we were at a, a revival, and I remember the, you know, the, the time, what it was, and it was at that time that everything came together. And I was, you know, and I accepted Jesus Christ as my Savior. Remember, I, I didn't say Lord, not fully. Now I've got to talk to you about that one. Well, time goes on in this church, and I created, and I did actually the unforgivable sin. You know what the unforgivable sin is? The unforgivable sin is that Fiddler on the Roof was playing in downtown Manchester. And I wanted to see Fiddler on the Roof. And so what I did is I went to see it. <laughs> you know, Manchester's fairly large, and don't you know that when I was do going into it, that the pastor's wife was passing. <laughs> you know, and I tell you, and I got caught. Well, I'll tell you something. I got called up before the church because of what I did. And I looked and I said, yes, I did. And I said, I will never step foot in a church again. That's what I said. Did you know that my name, I told you my name's Ron Mancuso, right? 
I have a middle initial. I have a middle name. Did you know that? It's called O'Reilly. That's what God keeps calling me. I say something. I will never go to a church again. And I hear God says, O'Reilly. Okay. Yeah. So I stop going to church. Okay. Go on for a while. And here it is. I'm at work. I'm doing, you know, I'm doing good. And I meet Grace. Grace, okay, and I fall in love. I don't go to church. Grace doesn't go to church. Okay? We fall in love and we get married. And things are great. Things are absolutely wonderful. Job's going good. Marriage is going good. Everything is going great. Turn with me, if you will. They like that one. To Matthew chapter 25. And I am going to be looking at verse 21. Matthew 25, 21. And if you have a pen and you're in there, by the way, you ought to underline this. Okay? Because that's that important. We're doing good. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit starts talking to me. And he starts quoting. Now, you know, now back, I didn't even know there was a Matthew twenty-five twenty-one, But he starts saying, Ron, you know when you die? You know, is Jesus going to be able to say this? Well done, good and faithful servant. Do you guys have servant in yours? Okay, yeah, servant. Okay, some that translates say slave, but it's a bond servant, a, a person that's willing. You are faithful with a few things, and I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. Well, you know, the thing is, it was a long day, cleared my head, and saying, where did that ever come from? So the Holy Spirit talks next day. You know, Jesus is going to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant. I want you, you know, stuck, you, I want you to go to church. You ever argue with the Holy Spirit? Amen. You know, like, you do. You know, it's like the book I, the, the, that Jonah wrote. You know, it, it's a one-word book about how to, you know, run away from God. Don't. Okay? So I talk to the Holy Spirit. And I, I, <laughs> I tell him, it's like, you remember Ananias? Not Sapphira one, the Ananias with Paul. When God, the Holy Spirit tells Ananias to go see Paul, and Ananias is trying, you know, says, hey, by the way, you know, in case you've been on vacation, this guy's been, you know, hey, you know, like that, killing you. So I tell the whole, I, I look at the Holy Spirit, and I, talk, I don't look, but I talk to him, and I say, uh, you don't understand, okay? She married me because, you know, we're good, we're fun. We go out together, we drink together, you know. You know, she's going to think this is a bait and switch. Yeah, I'm going to say, you know. And so, being the mature Christian that I was at that time, I said, I don't want to talk about this anymore. You know, the Holy Spirit's really good because he said, okay, we won't talk about it. Two o'clock in the morning. Hey, Ron, you know, is Jesus going to be able to say, well done, good and faithful servant? When you die. Two o'clock in the morning. Now, I don't know about you guys, 
But I'm not a very good sleeper. So when I wake up at 2 o'clock in the morning, you know what? I am awake. You know, like that one. Don't want to. I'm not talking about this. Next day, 2 o'clock. You know, that gets really old. So I finally said, okay, I'm going, we'll, we'll go to church. And I say, hey, hon, what do you say we um, want to, this Sunday, want to go to church? Sure. Well, now that's a crimp. <laughs> and that one. So now it's a matter. So she said, pick one. Okay. At that time, I was, on, I was working for AIG. It's a major insurance company. It's in New York City. I was traveling back and forth. And I was on the road, you know, executive road, and, you know, going on. And so I said, okay, I'll pick one. Got a good. And so I used to read Fortune magazine. I don't know, you know, Fortune magazine. It's a business magazine. And in it, they had one issue had a profile. And the profile was of all the CEOs and where they went to school, where they lived, and everything else. And they had one in there, and they said, hey, 98% of executives go to a congregational church. Well, okay. I, this is a two-for-one. You see, because I'll go to church, and okay, I'll be able to interact and intermingle with the, exec, you know, the other executives. I can, I can make this. This can work. And so we go to the congregational church. You know the only problem with the congregational church is? The only thing I understood was the preacher's joke in the beginning. I had no clue what he's talking He's talking about social this, social that, and everything else. And so it's like, I don't understand. I mean, so I looked at Grace and I said, hey, hon. And I said, when did they open up the Bible? And she looked at me like, duh. You know, they never open up the Bible. Oh, well, that didn't work out. So I said, okay, oh, we'll go to a Methodist church. And after that, well, Methodist, you know, like that, that's ritual again. And then, no, like that. We live in Manchester, New Hampshire. 20 miles up north is the swimming pool, and we used to swim. And the thing is, is that when driving, we used to do this like, three, four nights a week, right? We would go, and here is this First Baptist Church of Concord. And it has a little sign, and the little sign says, Preaching, Christ died, rose again, coming again. And it rose, coming again. And the Holy Spirit says, I want you to go to that church. No, I want you to go to that church. Every time it was, I want you to go to that church. You know, are you trying to ruin my marriage? You know, as I, as I talked about. So, we go by, and, hun, you know, and he says, want to go here? Well, you know, they just, look at that, all of them. All they can do is carry Bibles. Yeah, yeah. Well, I finally got her to, because I, she said, I will on the one condition that we sit in the back, and as soon as service is over, we go. Okay. And so we started going to church. It was weird about the church because 
Every time Grace and I would talk about a problem that we were having when we were, you know, getting ready to go to church, and what do you do with this? The pastor, I, he bugged our, you know, our bathroom because he talked about it every time. And so then I started talking to Grace about Jesus Christ. Thing is, at that same time, you know, and it was like casual, but at the same time, Grace's mother contacted or, you know, developed lung cancer. And in the lung cancer, it progressed to the point where she was dying. And I remember this. This is one of my watersheds. The nurse comes in. There, you know, there's the mother. And the nurse says she's got probably a half an hour to live. And I looked and I said, she's talking. And the whole family breaks down and they leave, except me and my mother-in-law. And I look and I'm saying, and, you know, all of a sudden the conviction comes on, I, I got to talk to this woman about Jesus Christ. I am clueless in how to do this, by the way. But if she dies, she could go to hell. That was a major realization. God was really good to me that night. Because what it is is that when I asked her, she looked at me and she says, young man, yeah, but I was then, you know. Young man, yes, I am. And she did. She died. Things changed at that point in time because all of a sudden I realized a couple of things. I realized that I didn't know enough of the Bible. I realized that people die and they do go to hell. I realized that there's only one chance that you have of escaping that predicament, and that's through accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Here it is. I started talking to Grace about Jesus, and I wasn't doing such a good, you know, doing such a good job. We were leaving church. And in leaving the church that one, one day, there's, they had a track rack. You ever see a track, track rack? You know what I'm talking about? And there was a track right there. It was green. And the Holy Spirit tells me, get that track right there, and I want you to give it to Grace. And this is one of the few times I listened. I did, and I said, well, if I show real interest, I'm going you know, to turn her off. So I just said, hey, hon, yeah, when you get a chance, would you read that? And so she took it, and she read it, okay? And she became a follower of Jesus Christ, okay? At that time, I realized this, that Jesus has, wants not only for me to accept him as my, my Savior, but also as my Lord, right? And that means I don't live my life the way I want to live it, I want to live my life according to what he wants. And we started going. Well, we're growing, and I did. I accepted Jesus Christ as that time as my Lord. We're good. We're growing. Everything is, everything is you know, fine. Holy Spirit starts talking to me again a little bit. And he's saying, because Grace is starting to hear these things. Hey, if you have a question about the Bible, ask your husband. (laughs) And so she starts hearing that, and I start, you know, that's what it is. 
And it's like, yeah, okay. I'll do, yeah, all right. I'll, I'm going to get there. I like that one. It's at night. I can vision it to this day. Yeah. Hey, by the way, let me ask you. Any of you guys ever get, mar- uh, get mad at your spouses? Have you ever got mad at your spouse? Raise your hand. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're a lot more honest than, you, than they were in the men's thing. You know, I think there was only one guy that lifted up there like that. Because all the others were, oh, no. no. Like that. You ever get, well, I, this is one of those times, you know. We're sitting there. It's at the light. There's a Chinese restaurant up on the hill. That's why I can tell you. I can envision it. And it's like I think it was 9.30 at night. And so we're stopped at the light. And I said, you know, hon, I've been, you know, thinking that uh, maybe we should start devotions or something like that. And she says, good. I have been praying that the Holy Spirit would convict you about that. <laughs> well, let me tell you, I wasn't as mature then as I am today. Because you know what, I, you know what? in my best Christianese that I, I did, I looked at it and I said, you did what? You were, hey, and I, the thing I told her, I said, you were praying for me and you didn't even tell me about it? I said, hey, that's not fair. You can't be talking to the Holy Spirit about convicting me. And I said, and I looked at her and I said, and the next time you, you start praying to the Holy Spirit about me, I'd like a heads up. <laughs> Man, do I know, you know it's really different. You know, now. And then after that, I looked at her and I said, ah, right. Here it is. You know, when I became a Christian, hon, no one gave me a manual on how to be a Christian husband. Do you know that? Yeah, yes, because you know what? The next day, I'm reading in there. I'm reading in Ephesians. Guess what I read in Ephesians? Go to Ephesians chapter 5. Okay. Now, I want husbands, I want you, all the husbands, I want you to get your pen out because you're going to underline this. All right. Ephesians chapter 5, and look at verse 25. Here it is. Here's my manual. My manual is this. Husbands, everybody there say amen. amen. That's weak. How about you guys in the back? You guys there? Husbands, love your wives just as who? Christ also loved who? Who's the church? I am. And gave himself up for her. It was like that. It's like, wow. I mean, I didn't need a whole manual. That's what I needed. Everything was in here. You ever start thinking, men, about what Jesus Christ has done for you? What he had did, he gave up everything for us. He was separated from God the Father so that we wouldn't be. And I started doing some research on that one. I think, you know, if it's okay, pastor and all, next time we have a men's breakfast thing Saturday, we should go in and list down biblically what Christ has done for us, everything that he emptied himself for. That's just a thought. Okay? The other thing is, I like that, if I can find it, is First Peter. You don't have to turn there. I like that one. Here it is. Husbands, 
and this one hurts. Husbands, likewise, live with your wives in an understanding way as a delicate, fragile, great worth vessel, since she is a woman, and grant her honor as a fellow heir of the grace of life. Here's the problem. So that your prayers may not be hindered. Well, you know, that's, that's really hard when you listen to that one because that's saying that my prayers could be hindered because of how I treat my wife. At that point in time, we started, I said, okay, we'll start doing some family devotions. How many here do family devotions? Raise your hands. Yeah, not many. You know the thing is with family devotions? Here's, when I started, we, start, we do it on and off, on and off. And you know, here's what Satan does. You're, you're going to do family devotions? You know, what about that anger thing that you did today? You are not worthy to do family devotions. You're not worthy to do... You are such a hypocrite. And it's hard. You know, I realize, you know what it is? Satan said, you're not righteous enough to lead your family in devotions. Well, I got news for him. You know what? I wasn't righteous enough. You know, the thing is, None of us are righteous in and of ourselves. True? The only reason why I can say I'm righteous is through the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Right? So you know the, what Satan's going to do? Satan's going to say, you shouldn't do that, you can't do that, you're a hypocrite, whatever it is. But my thing is to Satan, I can do it because this is what Jesus Christ did for me. And I am not perfect. The thing is, I, am not, I shouldn't be standing here, but you shouldn't be sitting there. It's that simple. And the thing is, it's up to each and every one of us men to have devotions with our family. You want to start small? Read, a, read the Psalms in the morning. You don't have to go through a full one if you, you know, don't want to, but read it and just keep on going through, but discuss it, all right? Just don't read it and say, that's it. That's what we started doing, and, started gro- and then we started growing. Okay. I have my uh, last, well, my, one of my last parts in here. And I want you to turn to Psalm 55, 22. This one is important. I want everybody to underline this, everybody. Okay. Let me tell you, <clears throat> this is where I get emotional. So if I get emotional I want, and I start, you know, stopping, I want to hear some amens just to get my track back, okay? Christian, believer, I'm a follower of Jesus Christ. The thing is, is that I have a problem. It's a small problem. See, I have a drinking problem. I had it when I was younger. Came back out of Vietnam, and it was really full of force. You know, I like to say drinking problem, because if I say alcoholic, it sounds so dirty. But if I say, hey, it's just a drinking problem. But the problem was, I was an alcoholic. And it was hindering me at this point in time from my service for Christ. Because when I said I had a problem, I am talking about I had spent hundreds of dollars a week on alcohol. Hundreds. And I stopped on and off 20 years, for 20 years. A little bit here, a little bit there. Never worked. 
And the thing is, as I started really getting serious about serving Jesus Christ, the conviction starts hitting me that I can't be doing that. I can't, I can't be drinking and then after that talking to Jesus Christ in a bar. It doesn't work. Psalm 55, 22. Here it is, because God is so faithful. And it says in here, Cast your burden upon the Lord, and he will what? He, this is a promise, okay? He, it's not a he may, or maybe he, you know, he could. It's he will sustain you. He will never allow the righteous to be shaken. And you know the thing is? I remember that. I was driving to work. It's after Thanksgiving, and I had made a complete fool of myself again for drinking. And I am on the, going, you know, on a, on a highway, and I looked, and for the first time, I talked to Jesus Christ about this. And I told him, I said, Jesus, I, I can't do this. I cannot stop. It's beyond me to do that. I'm going to give it to you, and I'm pleading with you, take this away from me. You have to remember, I told you that I was spending hundreds of dollars. I'm talking about like five, six, seven hundred bucks a week on alcohol. When I prayed that prayer, you can't hear that. Anyway, take my word. (laughs) Hands are sweaty. He took it away just like that. I don't believe. I couldn't believe it. In fact, actually, I was so stunned. I said, "Did you hear me?" Okay. And that was a Monday, and I went through the whole week. Thing is, I didn't know what I was going to tell Grace. Okay, because you know, Grace, Grace married this fun guy. I know you don't believe it, but trust me, like that, this fun guy, and. Comes Friday night, and it's like, well, and I said, honey, you know, we got to talk. And she said, yeah, I have to talk to you, too. And so I said, you go first. And she says, no, no, you you mentioned it, you go first. And I told her what I did. She cried. You know why? She did the same thing. She did the same thing. We didn't tell each other for that whole time. until, And it was only because of the grace of Christ that I can stand here and say, I don't have that desire. You know, the thing is, when you get saved, you become like that, you don't give up anything. Your desires change. Okay? And you know what? As this Bible verse, you better underline this one. Cast your burden. Because you know the thing is? Some of us have burdens with health. Some of us have burdens with jobs. Some of us have burdens with past problems and past life. But you are to give them to Christ and you are to leave them there. And when you leave them there, he sustains you. And that's that's what it is. Okay? Here it is. The only way I found about God is that I constantly read his word. How many, don't raise your hand, how many of you here have gone through the entire Bible? Okay. If you haven't, how do you expect to get to know God? 
Because you know the thing is, this is the only way we get to know them. You know, don't think that this book, I was told when I was a priest, hey, you can't read this thing because it's too difficult. It's confusing. Well, you know the kick is? The Holy Spirit wrote this, right? He inspired men to write this. That's in Peter. You know what? When you're a follower of Jesus Christ, guess who you have residing in you? you got the author. If you've got the author, then you can ask him. He'll get it, you know, he'll show you what it means because he's the, he wrote it. I mean, what better way? I'm ending, but here's the ending. If you are sitting here, Pastor Steve, can you come up? If you're sitting here and you are not a follower of Jesus Christ, okay, and you haven't done that, let me tell you, life is uncertain. Do we know that? We know that from this past week, right? Life is uncertain. And if you're not a follower of Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite you to come up here. Pastor Steve and I am going to be up here. And we will talk to you about that one. Secondly, there are some followers of Jesus Christ who are not doing a good job of it. And if you would like to, with the old phrase, I don't know if we still use it, if you would like to rededicate your life to Jesus Christ, do a much better job in your prayer life, scripture reading, devotions, everything else, then I'm also going to invite you up here as well so that we can pray for you. So if you're not a follower of Jesus and you want to know about more about that from God's Word, meet us here. If you are a follower but you're only a half-hearted follower like I was for years, meet us up here and we will pray for you. Is that a deal? Okay. Thank you.